Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today I have Rick Olson on the show. I I feel as if I should have Rick well in spirit. You know, I know his wife is here. She's probably in cooking dinner or something. <laughs> but Rick and Beth have become good friends of mine, even though we live on different sides of the United States. And we met at Helping Parents Heal. And Rick um, is a shaman. And I wanted him to share his story today. And he actually did a healing on me at um, helping parents heal when I was in, in a very difficult place. And it, it really changed my life. And I, I think about it. I think about it often. It's really interesting. So just a little bit about Beth and Rick Olson. One moment, Beth and Rick were enjoying an ordinary life filled with all the joys and frustrations of raising their two children, Josh and Jesse. The next moment, a drunk driver plowed through a red light at 80 miles per hour, hitting their van and changing everything. In a split second, the lives they knew died forever. And as they say on their website, spirit has helped to heal us and put both of us in many different situations where we have been able to help people. So I want to talk about that today. And first of all, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I am so, you know, sorry. I, I know you have three three children now that are going to college and I get the, the pictures on Facebook and it's so, so wonderful, so wonderful to see. So I want to begin our conversation with this beautiful quote. When we meet real tragedy in life, we can react in two ways, either by losing hope and falling into self-destructive habits or by using the challenge to find our inner strength. And I would like to talk about what, what happened with you. You went to Peru. Just tell us, tell us your story, please. Sure. Um, thank you for having me. I'm always honored when I can do these type of talks, both Beth and I are, because we know what helps people. And long and short of it, that's kind of our purpose at this point. Um, yeah, just to highlight a little bit what you talked about in the beginning, we had a nine-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. And as a result of that accident, they were both killed. And Beth and I had to try and figure out how to move on, because that was all of our kids, a matter of moments, you know, um, we went from two kids and the, the quintessential American family to not having any kids at all. And so we tried to do the traditional counseling route. Um, we think we tried six or seven different counselors. Um, one of them said they could relate to the loss of our kids because she had a divorce. Another one said she had a way to you know, get rid of the, any anger we might have by, you know, screaming into a pillow. And it, it, you know, this took place in 1999. And, and at that point, the, it wasn't as easy to reach out over the internet and get help. So we were kind of stuck and a friend of ours suggested we try um, a shamanic class. She was beginning to look into energy healing. And she thought it might help us. And so we ended up going to a weekend seminar out in Salt Lake City and met a gentleman by the name of Alberto Violdo. And <clears throat> I explained our situation to him, you know, that we had just lost kids months since the accident. And he offered to 
use Beth as a demonstration in um, one of the techniques he was he was demonstrating. And um, he, at the end of the class, he asked to talk to us, and he began to explain to us that you know, during the course of the healing, um, our kids had come to him, and you know they didn't come as little kids; they came as very tall, powerful spirits, eight foot, nine foot spirits. And they basically, you know, he went through several things that happened at the accident that he had no knowledge of. You know, he was, they were, the kids had given him that information. And um, he invited us to come down to Peru with him for the turn of the century. Um, he was um, leading a small expedition down there. And so we figured what better place to be if the world was going to end, you know, with the Y2K, for those of you that can remember that. And we ended up going to Peru and had some wonderful magical experiences. Um, and that kind of led us on the path to begin to understand that there's more to this life. There's more that happens. Um, and so that led us to beginning to take shamanic classes. And the thing that intrigued us the most about it was that the people we were with were speaking a language that we wanted to learn. They were talking about. Um, our kids are not gone. They're just in a different place and talking about spirituality and talking about things that we needed to hear and wanted to hear. And that was what really drew us to that because the traditional methods of, well, your kids are gone and buried and, you know, we hope you don't get a divorce and 95% of couples end up in divorce and and, you know, well, you're young enough, you can have more kids. You know, we heard all of those fun things at the funeral. So uh, that sent us on our path for, um, to energy healing and the shamanic. Yes. So I know that um, you talk about on your website that you began to undergo immense physical, mental, and emotional challenges um, that allowed them to understand that everything, including the accident, happens for a reason. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what specifically happened to you while you were there? Um, sure. The We had a couple of experiences in Peru and then some pretty um, life-changing experiences after that. Uh, one of the things that took place when we were in Peru is there was a ceremony we were doing um, out in the desert, uh, on the Nazca Desert, Nazca Lines, in the middle of the night. And there's this path, this um, carving in the desert. And so we were walking along that, and it was basically a um, spiral that turns in on itself and then makes... Uh, takes itself back out. And the concept behind the shamanic ceremony we were doing was, as you walk in, you're leaving behind all of those effects from the past. You're leaving behind all of those, the wounding that's taken place. And then you get to the center of the spiral and walk outwards and <clears throat> you're stepping forward into who you're to become now that you've left everything from behind. And I went through that spiral and came out and the people started pointing at me and making comments and my hair changed from blonde to white as I went through this, this ceremony. Um, so that was kind of the first indication that there was things to come. Then we were at a class in California and we were, there was myself and Beth and a couple of other people and the uh, Alberto who was the teacher and um, his assistant, we were working later in the evening and I was working on trying to sense some energies on an individual. And um, all of a sudden I felt this rush of energy come towards me and I just pulled my hands off. And then the next thing I know is that Alberto's telling me, um, you have to get up, you have to move. He said that energy is in you, that energy came into you. You've got to move and get it out of your joints. Um, and from the standpoint of what Beth and the other people saw is that there was some flashing of light outside the windows of the cottage or the building that we were in. And at first Beth thought it was, you know, a thunderstorm coming, but she's like, wait, this is California. It doesn't rain. And 
and there was flashes of light inside the building. And then I was basically paralyzed for I don't know, 10 minutes or so, I, I believe is what they ended up telling me because I lost all track of time. And then the lights in the building, it was old track lighting in the building and the lights, one light started to flicker and then another, and then all of a sudden all the lights were strobing in the building. And um, I was just uh, paralyzed at first and then I was sweating and then I was um, disorientated. And, um, I had to, Alberto got me to get up and move. And, and as I began to move, I just felt these waves of energy coming off of me. And eventually, um, after a bit of time, he told me to go outside and just try and ground this energy that was running through me. And so I did that and spent some time out there. Um, and what we, Alberto explained to me later is that basically what happened was it was the spirit of lightning. Um, the um, Peruvian or Quechua term, I should say, is Ilyapa. That's the spirit of lightning. Spirit of Lightning came and hit me, found me. And um, then two days later, I guess I didn't learn the first time, but two days later it happened again. So <laughs> to make sure I got the message. And that basically um, rewired me at a cellular level. There's um, changes that took place to my body. I can't really drink alcohol after that. There was things I became allergic to, things that I was allergic to, I wasn't anymore. My capabilities to see and sense energy just expanded exponentially because of that. And, you know, from the shamanic cosmology that I work in, it's, it's um, based in Peru. It actually comes from the Incas that traces their ancestry back through the Incas and back beyond that. Um, but it, it, there's three traditional callings to get into shamanism. One of them is to um, heal yourself from some type of a terminal illness. Uh, second one is to have some type of a great tragedy in your life and to try and you know, work through that. And the third is to be struck by lightning. And we kind of joke about it that I've had two out of the three and I'm not waiting yeah. for it. So <laughs> yeah. kind of propelled us on this path towards um, um, shamanism. Had you ever heard of shamanism before, Rick? Mm -mm. I had not. Um, yeah. Always been interested in the metaphysical. Um, I was involved in martial arts for over 20 years. And that always intrigued me, not only from the physical side, but from the mental and the somewhat on the spiritual. But from a standpoint of shamanism, and energy healing, I had never really heard of that before or had been drawn to it at all yeah can you explain to the listeners who don't really know what shamanism is can you explain that sure um there's some classes that we teach about that and and one of the things i try and explain to people with that is you know the shamanism is really a uh, set of tools to help you learn how to communicate directly with spirit don't need a middleman at all. And as you go through the process of, of learning these tools, how to communicate directly with spirit, you go through your own personal healing journey. And they call it the medicine wheel. You go through the south, the west, the north, and the east, the different directions. And it's not specific to the cosmology that I work in. There's a lot of um, shamanic cosmologies throughout the world that kind of follow the same pattern. But the idea is you work through the mental and physical side and you get into the spiritual side as you go through this and you begin a direct connection with spirit. It's, it's based in the concept of animism, which is, um, you know, everything has a, a spirit or a soul or an energy. So the trees, the rocks, the air, the wind, everything has a spirit or energy. And throughout this aspect of shamanism, it's learning to communicate with spirit, not only the spirit and energy that's here, but the spirit and energies that are beyond. And, you know, there's different facets of it. Some people do it just for that connection. Some people do it for knowledge and to help. Um, some people do it to learn the healing parts of it uh, and help others. 
know, before traditional medicine came along, um, shamanism was the way for people to heal. 75% of the world's cultures are shamanic based. And when you had a, an illness, you went to the shaman. You know, the shaman is, uh, the traditional shaman is, walks between both worlds, walks in the physical world and the energetic world. And they are that go-between or that mediary between spirit and others to help them understand and to get information and knowledge. And that's kind of the traditional role of, of a shaman or myself, we and Beth, we ended up going down this path because we were looking for our own healing after the loss of both of our kids. And um, we were drawn towards it because of that, because the traditional ways didn't really work for us. And then, you know, these events began to occur with um, you know, some of the events that occurred in our trip to Peru and then, you know, being struck by lightning and being directed that way. Um, I knew that for myself, that was the direction I was being pushed is to be, you know, to understand shamanism and to um, be able to help others. And one of the things I had mentioned earlier about the kids had communicated with Alberto during Best Healing. And one of the things that they told him was that, you know, I've been a shaman many times before in past lives, and it's time for me to, you know, remember and to step into that role again. And this was the way of spirit uh, pushing me in that direction. And um, getting a little off topic there, sorry about that, but it- No, not at all. We understood, we began to understand that, you know, our kids were here for a short period of time to put us in a position to be able to help others. I do it mostly through the shamanic aspect of things and and chatting with people, but Beth really does it through just the way that she communicates and connects with people. And she has such this empathy um, of being able to communicate with people. And as soon as they talk to her, they feel comfortable and can relate. And you know, we're fortunate enough to have lost two kids and have found a way to rebuild our life and have three other kids, as you mentioned, that are all in college or heading off to college. And so we are um, trying to help people from that standpoint and allow them to see that it is possible to move on from tragedy. And so to pull that back to, from the standpoint of shamanism, there's a lot of different aspects to it, but the, the core of it is that direct connection with spirit, to be able to communicate with spirit, as well as to, to go through your own personal healing and understanding personal healing journey and understanding of the nature of spirituality and energy. Beautiful. So, so Rick, when was kind of your aha moment when you finally said, like, you know, I get this stuff is really, was it when your hair turned white or was it, I know it's always when you get evidential messages from, from our children, you know, that's, but did you have one or was it everything just kind of all of it together? The first, um, we had two messages from our kids in the first week after they were gone. And that began to open our eyes and push us in that direction. And, um, you know, it was four or five, five days after the accident and we were going to the funeral home to um, meet with the funeral director and to talk to him about, you know, getting things ready for the funeral and everything. And so Beth and I walk into the funeral home and it's, you know, the lights are dim and there's hardly anybody. There's nobody there. At least we didn't see anybody. And we were asking, hello, hello. So finally somebody comes up and I said, well, we're the Olsons. You know, we're here to talk to Jim. And she's like, well, let me go get him. You know, we're standing there, we're still in shock after only a few days of losing the kids. And it's, you know, a, a dreary funeral home and it matches our, you know, the way that we're feeling. And it comes walking up to us with this big smile on his face. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. Yeah. And he's like, that Josh, he keeps turning the lights off and changing my radio station. Can you tell him to knock it off? And we look at him and say, What? He's like, yeah, Josh is down there playing games. He's turning my lights on and off, changing the radio stations. He's making it hard for me to work down there. 
And so that was our introduction to the concept that our kids are still here. They're just in a different place. And that was the beginning of us to begin to understand that they're, they're not gone. They're just someplace else that we have to learn how to speak that language and how to reach out to them and how to listen to their thoughts to us. And we continue to have experiences and exposures like that. And then as we got into you know, the shamanic side of things and that connection that we began to develop with spirit and the experiences that we had, um, that continued to let us know that this was the path we were supposed to be on. Um, I had suspected within a couple of weeks at the accident that this had happened for a reason, because when you look back at all of the events that occurred and the timing of it and everything that was available at the accident site, it was not coincidence. It took yeah. a little while for Beth to, to come to that, which is understandable because she's the mother. Um, but we began to understand that this happened for a reason. And once that concept began to sink in and settle with us, it made this whole path that we were on easier because we understood that you know, it happened for a reason. There's more to this life than just we're here and we die and we you know, fall apart in the ground. And that aspect of understanding and acceptance is what has helped us to continue to move on and to grow as well as that's what they, we try and get across to people when they have loss is that that aspect of understanding that there's more there and that there is life beyond this life. And once you get to that sense of acceptance of it, it makes the journey of the, the path of grief easier because you understand there's more there. They're not gone. I, I study shamanism and we were I was studying the blue road um, a little bit ago. And something that really just jumped out at me was the stones. We're building it with stones. And mm -hmm. it was going from fire to faith, having faith in something. Mm -hmm going to trust, mm -hmm. going to surrender. Mm -hmm. I'm getting shivers as I say that. And I think about that a lot because once you surrender, you just know it's, it's true right. for you. Yeah. Well, back to that quote I started with. First of all, I didn't tell you who said it. <laughs> it was the Dalai Lama and I am uh, really sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I thought you said it. That was no, very good. No, I'm really sorry to the Dalai Lama. <laughs> um, yeah, you and Beth have really, you've certainly helped me, both of you, in your different ways. And I'll forever be grateful. So let's, let's talk about just a little bit about some of the different healing techniques in shamanism, because I always find these so fascinating. And I know you could talk all day about each one, but... Can you just talk briefly about, um, I have three, illumination, the soul destiny retrieval, and divination, sure. please? The, as I mentioned earlier, the cosmology I work in is, is based out of Peru, and, and, and so um, they have a very strong connection to stones and um, to mountains, they have 12, what they call sacred mountains down in the Peru and Chile area. And so one of the, the, the core technique that they use um, is called an illumination and it uses uh, stones from uh, your mesa. And a mesa is basically a medicine bundle is another way to think about it. And you develop your mesa through the process of your own healing. You go through that cycle, through the different directions, the southwest, north, and east. And through that process, you work on your own healing and you build your mesa with those stones. So the illuminate, you use those stones in the illumination, which is basically the core healing process. And from a 
shamanic perspective, there's a luminous energy field that surrounds the physical body. And that luminous energy field contains the blueprint of who we are and what we are. And when there are disruptions in that energy field, it changes us. And those changes can manifest physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. Those changes are typically caused by a dense energy imprint in that luminous energy field, and it's that imprint that causes those changes. That dense energy imprint is typically the result of a trauma, and that trauma could have occurred in this lifetime, it could have occurred in the previous lifetime, and you're bringing it forward. It could be the results of energies that are being directed at you, whether consciously or unconsciously. And occasionally it's the results of energies that are passed down from mother to daughter and father to son. What we do through that core illumination process is we work to clear out that dense energy imprint. Because once that dense energy imprint is cleared out of the luminous energy field, you're no longer informed on how to change, how to make, how to, how to react differently. It allows your luminous energy field to return to who you are and what you are. And that illumination is basically a process of opening up whichever of your seven chakras is mostly affected by this trauma, putting the stone from your mesa on there and working those dense energies um, out of your luminous energy field. That stone from your mesa draws those energies out, it combusts them. So the illumination process is done almost every time because it clears the trauma, clears the energy of the trauma. It's not as if you forget the trauma, but the energy from it no longer informs you and changes you. So that's uh, the illumination process. Could I just ask you a quick question about that? Sure. Um, so after you do the healing, and I know that, you know, you usually have a person lie down and, mm-hmm. um, and I'll let you go over that in a few minutes, but do they get any like homework after in terms of integration? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my role as the shaman is to, uh, it's really kind of twofold. One is to create and hold the sacred space that we do that work in. What that sacred space does is it helps to thin the veil between the energetic world and the physical world. And that makes it easier for spirit, spirit guide, loved ones to come in and do the work that they need to do on your behalf. The other thing I try and do from the shamanic standpoint is to tap into the energy of that trauma and try and track it back to the original source of the wounding and give you any information or insight I can about that. Along with that, you get information from spirit about this trauma and about what's supposed to take place and what you need to do to continue to work. So sometimes there is homework is what I call it. And Beth doesn't like it when I use that word, but that's <laughs> So sometimes there's follow-up work to do around that. Um, Sometimes the issue that you're dealing with will take multiple sessions and different types of techniques to deal with uh, because some of these traumas have been with us for a considerable amount of time. So it all depends upon the individual and the trauma as far as what would take place afterwards. Right. Interesting. And what I'm going to say, wait for just a second. What do you think of all these people going to different countries to go on these retreats and which I did and some using ayahuasca, which I did Mm -hmm. or plant medicine and some not. Um, Can you give any words of wisdom about that and how you personally feel, feel about it? Well, you can see over the last few years that there is a push with society and humanity as a whole to try and understand and to try and reach out for something beyond the traditional. And so there's a a lot of people looking for non-traditional ways of healing or of understanding, trying to make sense of Mm -hmm. place. Um, You know, the there was in 2012, there was you know, the end of the Mayan calendar and everybody thought, you know, the world's supposed to end. Well, a different way to view that is basically that was the time of change where you know, we're changing from uh, 
um, homo sapiens to homo luminous. We're, we're stepping into us as spiritual beings instead of physical beings. And so Interesting. time that we're going through is just chaos and upheaval because in order to go through a cycle of change, you have to go through chaos. And people are at that point where they're trying to understand, they're trying to reach out. It's almost as if they're getting um, pressure externally, but they don't understand or realize what it is. So they're being drawn towards all these other modalities that deal with energy or healing. And so I find that my own personal opinion is it's a wonderful thing that everybody's reaching out for it because the more that people understand the aspects of energy and spirituality and who we really are, then the easier it's going to be for the world to settle and to come back to peace instead of you know, the upheaval that we're in. Right. So I think it's wonderful that they're reaching out um, you know, as far as going to these other countries and visiting, you know, and, and getting um, connection with native healers, it's a it's kind of a double-edged sword because those techniques that are taught by those native healers are ones that have been passed down for generations. But they've they're techniques that are kind of geared towards their culture and their environment that they live in. And so there needs to be some adaptability of those to being brought to the Western world or the, you know, the, this culture of the Americas or North America, I should say in, in specific. And so it's great that people go down there because it helps those third world countries. It, it brings, you know, monetary gifts to those people down there. Mm-hmm. It's also sometimes um, can be difficult because there can be misinterpretations of how they perceive things and cultures as far as how we perceive things and cultures. So you just have to have a little bit of a caveat on that. Um, There's nothing wrong with doing that, but there's plenty of gifted people um, in the um, North America that would be able to provide that same type of service for you. Right. As far as making the type of trip that you did and dealing with people that deal with ayahuasca and plant medicine, you have to make sure that whoever you go to is really um, a, and I guess the best way to put it is really an expert in that because they have to really have connected with the spirit of the ayahuasca and that plant medicine to understand that. Um, you know, not that it's, unfortunately, we have this, you know, not that there's somebody that thinks that they took a weekend course somewhere and can brew up ayahuasca because it's, it can be dangerous. It can damage you not only yes. but spiritually and mentally. So you really need to be in a protected space and you need to be with somebody, uh, some shaman that really has that strong connection with that plant medicine and that spirit of that plant to help guide you through the process. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So um, going back a little bit, so can you tell us just a little bit about um, soul destiny retrieval and and divination? Sure. Um, There's two aspects to um, soul retrievals. There's there's the soul retrieval and there's the destiny retrieval. Um, We talked about this aspect of trauma and creating that dense energy imprint in your luminous energy field. Sometimes that trauma becomes so severe that a portion of your energy body actually breaks off and goes and hides. And that's what we call soul loss. Everybody has had soul loss. And those soul parts go and hide in Mother Earth. They want to feel safe and protected. And so one of the roles of a shaman is to make that journey to find that soul part and to find out if the soul part wants to come back and to go through a process of gathering the information and the energies with that soul part and then bringing it back and imparting it back into the person they're working with. And that when that soul part leaves, it takes away energies and gifts So you no longer have those, but it also creates an energetic contract that is not beneficial to you. 
So as part of that process of the soul retrieval, the, the shaman works with the soul part to rewrite that energetic contract so it doesn't have that same effect on you anymore. Everybody has had soul loss. It's just a matter of if the time is right to have a soul retrieval. Um, and sometimes that can be done, you know, right away on a first healing. Sometimes, you know, the, um, the soul part doesn't want to come back. She's, I'm not coming back. That lady is so screwed up at this point. I need a safe place. <laughs> she needs to do this, this, and this before I'm willing to come back. And that does happen occasionally because you'd asked about homework earlier. And sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, so that, that's an aspect of soul retrieval. Um, you're working kind of in the past from a shamanic standpoint. Now, the other side of that is what's called the destiny retrieval, which is um, kind of working towards the future. And so from a shamanic standpoint, time doesn't move in a linear fashion. There isn't necessarily a past, present, and future. Time moves more in a circular motion. So you can move backwards in time to heal a... Um, trauma to affect the present, but you can also go future in the go in the future in the standpoint of how we understand time, and get a piece of your evolved body and bring it back and impart it now. So a way to think about that is rather than waiting for six or seven generations or for thirty or forty years for you to evolve into who you want to become, you move forward to find that, uh, that existence of who you are at that point that you want, and you bring a piece of that energy back and implant it into your energy body. And that gives you the seed so that your energy body now understands who you want to become and what you want to become. And it has something to grow from rather than trying to evolve into it. So that's a soul uh, or destiny retrieval. That's so interesting. I interviewed someone, um, William Stick Evers, actually, about remote viewing, and he was talking about time loops. And it's kind of, it's so, it's so interesting how all of this kind of interweaves. Mm-hmm. And just what you were saying, that you go forward and you actually pick a date, let's say in five years, and you see yourself you have a in meditation and conversation mm-hmm. with yourself as you are then and what you're right. doing and and yeah it's and anyway it's very much what you're saying and and I find that fascinating okay so what about divination so divination is really that aspect of a shaman being able to tap into the energy about something so yeah. divination standpoint Um, The example I can give is somebody might say, I'm looking for information or insight about this issue. And so you are working to tap into the energy around that issue and you give them information on it. One of the ways to think about it is that you have the probable and the possible. And so we are typically caught in an energetic momentum tunnel. So if you think about where you've been, It's like a a cone of light that's behind you. And as you get to the point of where you are now and you move forward, this cone of light now becomes all these fine little streams or fibers of light. And they begin to spread out all in front of you. The majority of what's right in front of you is the probable. Right. Aspects out to the sides of you that are the possible, you know, that 1% or half a percent. And so what... From a divination standpoint, what you're looking to do is pick up on the energies from the past that would have been driving you to that point, and also those aspects of that energy that's out in front of you, whether it's the probable or the possible. And you pick up on those energies and you give information about that. And there can be different types of techniques you can use for that. Uh, the traditional um, in Peru, they a lot of times they use uh, coca leaves, and they will have coca leaves and, and throw the coca leaves down and look at them and, and the different configurations of the coca leaves help them to tap into the energy. Sometimes it's just a matter of um, picking, some people will say, okay, pick a specific rock or my, my mesa because you, you have 12 stones in your mesa 
and then you you blow that intent of what you're looking to understand into that rock and a shaman will take that and be able to pick up on that energy sometimes it's just a matter of a shaman rattling or drumming to be able to understand that sometimes a shaman will go on what's called a shamanic journey which is entering into an altered state of consciousness in order to be able to commune directly with spirit so there's a lot of different ways that they can accomplish this aspect of divination but the concept is really picking up on the energies around whatever the issue is. Interesting. So when you're doing these healing techniques, is it just sort of downloaded to you or you feel it or, you know, mediums like to talk about clairvoyant, you know, mm -hmm. all of the different, but, but how do you, you receive it? So for me specifically, I, I pick it up in a number of different ways. I'm able to see energies. Um, so, for example, sometimes if somebody comes in, I can see dense energy on their luminous energy field. I can potentially see um, people standing behind them, standing around them. So I begin to pick up on those. Um, I can, I get a, a, a feeling, I'm, I get a sense of knowing, I guess, is one of the best. Yes. It's just a matter of, I know this is what's taking place. I understand this. Um, I will sometimes feel it physically in my body or I'll feel it emotionally. Um, so that that's how it comes in for me. For, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't hear anything. I don't um, you know smell anything. I can see and I can sense and understand. So for me, it's I guess the best way to put it, it's a sense of knowing. And when you're working with someone, um, or at least for my personal experience, you have me lay down and mm -hmm. is the energy just with your, with your hands, with touching or not touching, or it kind of just depends on who the person is? Um, I don't even, I don't need to touch them. The touch right. is to, when you're doing it in person, it is to help them relax. Right. Also to help them. Um, have that sense of human contact and feel safe and secure. Mm -hmm. um, the majority of my healings are actually remote healings. Yeah. Um, and so all of this can be done remotely because energy is not limited by time or distance. I've literally done healings all over the world. Um, and so it's a matter of connecting into that energy of that person or that issue. And... <clears throat> working with spirit to uh, get the information that you're supposed to have. That information is not for me. It's for whoever I'm working with. Right. So whatever I get, I pass on, whether it makes sense to me or not. I'm not there to pass judgment or filter. I'm just there to let it come through and to you know be the mouthpiece for that information. So if, if 25, 30 years ago, you would have seen the Rick Olson you are today. <laughs> How have you changed? And <laughs> I mean, you've totally changed, but yep. yes, I yeah, have. yeah. So just tell us about that a little bit, that journey. Sure. That's a good question. Um, I have a different sense of time now, um, I guess is one way to look at it. Because of the work that I've done all these years, um, my understanding of time is different. You know, I know that we will come back here through this lifetime again and again and again. And so I have a level of patience that most people don't have because I know that if it doesn't happen this lifetime, it'll happen the next. I don't need to accomplish it now. doesn't mean that I don't work to accomplish things, but when you look at the bigger issues of how people are suffering or what's going on or how can you help people, you begin to understand that everybody's on a path. They're here to do something, to learn something, to help somebody. And it's not necessarily my role to step in and change that. My role is to be there for an, a sense of assistance. Um, I have a sense of understanding and more of a sense of calm than I would have had without this, 
because I can see and sense these energies and I, I know that there's a purpose behind this stuff. We may, not, we may not understand it at this point and we may not understand it until we leave, but you know the things that I've seen and experienced through the healings that I've done over these years and some of the events that I've witnessed helps me to understand there's much more to life uh, than what we can see and sense. And that gives me um, a sense of awe. And a lot of times I'm humbled by the work that I see spirit do or the, or the transformations that take place with people because of the spirit and what happens. And I'm just, I'm here to help and facilitate more so than to drive and direct. Can you, can you give us an example or is it, patient-client privilege, or you wouldn't have to use names, but something that just really touched you, I guess. So one of the phrases that I use to talk to people about is that it's interesting with a, when, you, when you really step into the role of being a shaman, because, um, you know, when you call, spirit answers, but it's mm -hmm. three. When spirit calls, you have to. And so an example I'll give with that is, um, I'll give two examples. A number of years ago, there was a, a, a couple of ladies that reached out to us. They were going to be putting on a weekend um, seminar and they wanted us to, there was like five or six different energy healers and they wanted us to be a part of it and to do a few things. And so we were driving out to their place um, they're all of the people that were going to be helping to run this weekend. We're supposed to come out to this place and we were going to meet and talk about how we we're going to structure it and everything. And Beth is, you know, we're driving and Beth and I are driving out. She's like, I don't know why we're here. You know, from what they've been talking about, there's hardly anything they want you to do. And I'm like, I don't know why either Beth, but I just know we're supposed to be here. I have no idea why. And so she lived out in the country a little bit. And as we drove into her place, and like I could feel the energy around the space that she was in. And like there's, I said to Beth, there's something wrong here. I said, there's a problem on this land. And so we went through this meeting with these people <clears throat> and everybody left except for Beth and I and the two girls that were kind of heading this up and they were both mediums. And we started walking outside and I'm just standing here looking and I can sense the problem is up this hill. And I'm like, do you mind if I walk up this hill? I said, because I'm supposed to be here to look at something or to do something here. And they're like, fine, you know, go ahead. So Beth and I walked up there and the two followed us and I got up to the top of the hill and I came around the corner and this whole energy of the space hit me and I could see everything that happened. There was... Um, an Indian tribe that had lived up in that area and they had been slaughtered by um, you know, white men that had come in and there was hundreds of them that had been killed right in that area. And so I could see them that they were basically stuck there, all of these Indians, these Native Americans. And so I explained this to, to Beth and the two girls and I said, I need to help them. I need to help them cross over. And so I began to work and open up sacred space and work to help them. And, you know, the, the, we opened up enough space so that the Indians could cross over and they all went through and the chief, the Indian chief was the last one there. And um, we were, the chief and I were communicating and then I, we worked together for a little bit to help hold that space and then to cleanse the land. And so eventually, you know, we, we closed the space and then I, you know, I turned and you know, asked the girls, I said, the two mediums, said, what did you see? And they began to describe everything that, you know, had just taken place because I hadn't talked to them at all. I was just working the space and they described everything that took place. And I'm like, that's why I'm supposed to be here. It's not really to be here for this weekend. It was to be here to help the, this Indian tribe cross over because they were stuck that's how spirit had pulled me into that interesting and since that time i'm able to call upon that indian chief and some of those native american indians when i'm doing particular clearings of land or something they come in and help me on the spiritual side from from the energetic side 
to do that. Um, so that's one aspect of how you get pulled in from a shamanic side, from spirit pulling you in. And one other experience I can relate from an individual, a client I was working with, I was one of the things that happens when I tap into the energy of the trauma is I see how they, if they died, I see how they die. I see what took place and I, I get to experience what they went through. And so I was describing to this, this lady that I was working with, I said, you were, you know, there was several lifetimes ago, you were in a, a, a native, a native village and you were, the village was down right next to the sea and you were on top of the cliffs beginning to walk back down and you saw this huge tidal wave coming in and you were, you were trying to run down this path down the, the, the hill, the big hill, the cliff that was by the ocean to tell these people that it was coming and to help them get out of the way. But um, you couldn't get down there in time and you watched all these people that from your village get wiped out by this tidal wave. And then as you stood there kind of in shock, you noticed that the water kept coming up and up and up and you were kind of in a gully as you were trying to make your way down and you tried to get out of the gully, but you couldn't, the water came and overtook you as well. And you ended up drowning. And so I asked her, I said, well, how's your relationship with water? And she says, well, I love being in the water, but what's funny is every time I hear a wave machine, all I see is dead bodies floating in the water around. Oh my gosh. I'm like, well, now you know why. Wow. So these are some of the experiences that, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of being part of. And it just, mm -hmm. this is the whole aspect of you know, there's more to life. There's more than just this life. There's more that takes place. There's this scope of energy and spirituality that's around us. And you can begin to learn how to interact with it. And it gives you a much broader understanding of who we are and what we are. Right. Wow. Thanks for sharing those stories. Sure. So um, we don't have too much time left, but with all the knowledge that you have about shamanism, how, how have you raised your kids, do you think, differently than what you would have if, if you were not, you know, a shaman? And also, how do you think we could help today's children? You know, so many are struggling today and young and teens. And in what manner do you think we could help them with this knowledge? So Beth and I made a decision early on to not to do whatever we could to not burden our three kids with our grief and loss from yes. those two. And so, but we also decided we were going to be very open with them to let them know that they had a brother and sister that had passed. So from Early on, we've always talked to them about their brother and sister. We've talked to them about this aspect of life after death, about energy, about, you know, spirituality. And, you know, they've experienced things in our house because occasionally we'll get visits from spirit, you know, wanting something or, or needing something. And so we continue to talk to them about this aspect of grief and loss. And they see the people that come to our house and the, the effect it has on them. And they have a broader understanding of life. They're not so much centered right now with just themselves. They know that people experience tremendous loss, tremendous grief, things outside of what they can really relate to right now because they see it in the people we deal with and they see it in us occasionally. They have been involved in some of the shamanic ceremonies that we yeah. land. So they're very open to that. It's not like they run around the school, you know, advertising it, but very <laughs> right. aspect of, you know, other energies in life after death. And, and what I think it's done is help them to mature at a different level than the normal children, because we have conversations that, 
some adults can't even have yet about this aspect of loss and grief and life after death and energies and the scope of the life that we live. And so I think we've been very fortunate to be able to have those talks with our kids because it puts them, it gives them a much broader understanding of what, right. life, what life is about. And if children were introduced to this idea and this concept much earlier, and they began to understand that there's more out there, you know, when they go through trauma of high school, you know, and the events that occur in high school, and they think that's all there is. And, you know, this unfortunate rise with um, suicide of younger kids, part of it is because they don't necessarily have a sense of understanding about the broader picture of life and what goes on. And I, I feel, as my own opinion, but I feel if they understood that a little bit more, you know, when the, when the world starts to collapse in on them as they perceive it, they begin to understand it's not the whole world. It's just a small piece of it. Right. There's so much more out there that I can deal with this, or I can look to other things to help me with this process. Beautifully said. I love that. I so agree. Well, you know, we need to wrap it up, but um, would you like to mention anything that I haven't asked you or, or give us any words of wisdom? Um, the only thing I would say is, I mean, you, you've had a healing with me. I didn't know if you wanted to mention anything about that or how that helped you or. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I'd rather not go into the details of it, but, um, even though I put that in our, in our notes, but, um, basically it was a situation where you had me choose a stone and I, I, I don't know, the, it, this might sound kind of crazy to people, but you know what, this whole podcast sounds crazy to people sometimes. So <laughs> I, I really don't, I really don't mind. You know, I always knew that my son who passed, I, I've always known that he was a father, my father in the past lifetime. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it was a situation where I was a little, a little boy. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting because I was on a horse and I love horses, even though I don't even have a horse, you know, and I, we're not really involved in horse country at all. But, um, and my dad and I, we just adored one another. And we were all, also either Native American or, um, you know, in that sort of culture. And we were riding and, and as, as a little boy, I was, um, I was killed. And two things that it did for me was number one, to understand how my father in that lifetime must have felt. And he went on, by the way, he was like the head of the, he was the shaman, he was mm-hmm. the chief, he was the to go on and really help people. And um, it helped me to move forward. And like, I want to be, I want to help people. I want to be like that. That's why, that's why I'm here. So kind of in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. And it was, it's really um, the only shamanic healing or even past life regression that I've had that just has stayed with me Mm -hmm. just stayed with me so I know it to be of course I know it to be true and the others I'm sure have are also but it was just the one that always always touched me and it makes so much sense to me and we just know it yeah yeah so so when those healings resonate like that that's a phrase I like to use with people does it resonate with you that means you're you're touching into those energetic core, those energy right. that tie in. And even though you can't explain it, you just know it's right. Right. Exactly. So, so true. Yeah. And it's that beginning of understanding or not even understanding, but an experience, I should say, that helps people to understand that there's more to this life than what we just see. There's more than we die and we're done. And so those are the types of experiences that people 
need to try and get in one fashion or another. Anybody right. can, because the more that they have those type of experiences that resonate with them, but they can't explain it, but they know it's true, it helps them to understand the bigger picture and to yeah. get towards this aspect of who we are and what we are. And it's so comforting. It's not only comforting, it's to know that there's just something bigger than us, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I tell people I've learned two things. I've learned to listen to my wife and spirit, and I stay out of trouble. <laughs> Wait a second. You you learn to listen to your wife in spirit? My wife and spirit. Oh, and spirit. <laughs> I thought maybe it was best higher self that was talking no, to no, you. No, no, no. Well, Rick, thank you so much. I, I want to mention your beautiful book, We Never Left You, and I encourage my listeners to, to buy it. And it tells um, their whole Beth and Rick's story. And it's just beautifully written. And if people want to find you and maybe have one of these beautiful healings or learn more, how would they go about doing that? The best way to get a hold of us is just through our website, which is mm-hmm. same title as the book, we never left you.com. Um, it has information about who we are and what took place with us and how to get a hold of us and some information about what Beth does and, and also about the shamanic uh, healing. So that would be the best way to, to reach out to us. Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely have to have Beth on and, and um, have, yes. have a conversation. Well, thank you so much. Um, I hope to see you at the conference this year. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it or not, but I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm always grateful when I can do these things. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.